Good evening, everyone. I'm Teresa Zoe Williams, and this is Up Too Late. Thanks for tuning in to episode six. Welcome back. It's been a hot minute. I've been sick off and on the past couple weeks, and one of my kids was pretty sick too, so that's why we haven't had an episode in a while. You know, uh, kids come first. It's just what being a parent's all about, getting those vocational points in. But you know what? At one point, my, my kid was actually pretty sick. She had a fever of 101, and, you know, she was actually hot for a minute. Well, for 1,440 minutes, to be exact. But don't worry, it wasn't COVID for either of us. Just really nasty sinus infections. You know, one of those old-timing diseases. I lost my voice for about a day, too, and then the rest of the time... I sounded like I'd been chain-smoking since I was 12. I haven't, by the way, been chain-smoking since I was 12. You know, the only things I was doing when I was 12 were changing my name every half hour and fangirling over Zach Hansen. For those of you who missed the incredible year that was 1997, Zach is the youngest of the Hansen brothers and the drummer for their band. I have a thing for drummers. <laughs> But I had such a crush on Zach Hansen. Um, in fact, my first internet password was ZachAttackGirl4, you know, the number Eva. And that was to my very first email, which was Tia underscore HansenJoy44 at Hotmail.com. The late 90s really were a rush. A surge, if you will. Surge. Now that's something else that 90s kids will remember. I drank that stuff like it was going out of style, which it did. It's back now, though, at Burger King, and you can buy cans of it on Amazon. Everything old is new again, just like middle parts and high-waisted jeans. Something that never went out of style, though, is my love for Hanson. A couple of years ago, my two best friends and I went to Walt Disney World to see them perform. We had second row seats, close enough to see the sweat on their faces. It was awesome. Singing along to every song, bopping up and down, you know. And all, all these girls were there with either like their husbands or their significant others. And the guys were just kind of standing there like, yeah, woo, Hanson, the first boy that my girl had a crush on. Yay, I'm so glad I'm seeing you in concert right now. Woo. But who cares? We were having fun, right? So anyway, we're in the second row. We can see the sweat beating on their faces. We're having a great time. And I was wearing a shirt that said, Zach Hansen was my first crush. Since I could see their sweat, obviously they could, you know, see me pretty closely. And uh, they could read my shirt. So periodically throughout the show, I could see them look at me and kind of do that thing that guys do where they smirk and then silently laugh to themselves. So they did that throughout the show. Fangirl dream come true. You know what else is a dream come true? Doing this podcast. It really is such a treat to be able to perform. Don't worry, I didn't give up treats for Lent, so we're all on the up and up here. But performing in general, in comedy specifically, is such a joy. Females do not get enough credit for being funny, though. But we are. Over the weekend, I was re-watching the Netflix movie Always Be My Maybe, because um, I needed some good 
clean, girly fun. Chick flicks are not emotional porn. So this movie was written by and stars Ali Wong, who is hella funny. She's just wonderful. And I found myself saying throughout the movie, wow, this is so funny. She is so funny. You know, women comics just don't get enough credit. We're always surprised when they're funny, when women are funny. And, you know, maybe it's because humor from a woman is different than humor from a man. We're used to men and their poop jokes, you know, so much so that we teach them in, you know, standard high school literature classes. Yes, I'm talking about Shakespeare, notorious for his poop jokes. Shakespeare wasn't prim and proper at all. But, you know, when a woman comes on the scene and doesn't make a poop joke, we forget that it's still humor. And when she does make a poop joke, we get weirded out. Because women aren't even supposed to know what poop is. Men don't know that women poop. Sorry to scandalize my male listeners, but women do poop. We've made the default humor male. It's true. We don't know what to do with women comedians because we've made the default humor male. I don't know who died and made the male the default, but... You know, men are pretty weak when you think about it. If a man bled for five days a month straight, he'd die. Just, he would just straight up die. But a woman can bleed for five to seven days straight every month while going to work, while taking care of the kids in the house, getting dinner on the table, and balancing a checkbook. All without batting an eye, breaking a sweat, and without complaining about the pain. And still not die. That's remarkable. That's remarkable. A man can't even have a sniffly nose without acting like he's gonna die. So, you know, just put that in your snack pack and munch on it. Okay, I'm not saying that the default should be female either. Having defaults just leads to a whole lot of prejudice down the road. So let's create a world without prejudice. You're already taking a step in that direction by listening to this podcast. I am a female and I am a comedian. Just so you know, you know, not to shock my listeners. Okay, but if anyone comes at me with any of that, women aren't funny, bullcrap, I'll bury you. Don't think I don't know six different ways to get rid of a body so the cops will never find it. I'm just joking. Or am I? <laughs> okay, guys, the surge is starting to wear off. Welcome to the show! The CDC has now said that if you and the peeps you want to hang out with all have had the COVID vaccine, you can congregate indoors without masks. This is great, just in time for Easter. So get this vaccine as soon as you're able and get ready to party. Otherwise, wear a mask. And now, for the drink of the day. It's still Lent, so no alcohol, but I bet you can guess what I'm drinking today. It's obvious, right? This week, I'm drinking a 16-ounce can of the best pop to ever grace our grocery store shelves. Surge! This is the drink Coca-Cola made to compete with Mountain Dew, but edgier. That's right, Teresa Zoe Williams, hardcore since 1984. 
That's when I appeared in my mother's womb. And now, let's take a moment for a dramatic reading of scripture. This week's tale comes from Exodus chapter 14, verses 1 through 31. The Israelites getting the hell out of Dodge, a.k.a. Egypt. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. Speak to the Israelites. Let them turn about and camp before Pihirah. <laughs> A place name I cannot say. Between Migdal, Mordor, and the sea. Camp in front of Baal Zephon. I got that one. Just opposite by the sea, Pharaoh will then say, The Israelites are wandering about aimlessly in the land. The wilderness has closed in on them. Okay, just so you know, I imagine Pharaoh to be like Kuzco from the Emperor's New Groove. Okay, and now getting back to God. He said, I will so harden Pharaoh's heart that he will pursue them. Thus I will receive glory through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. This the Israelites did. When it was reported to the king of Egypt that the people had fled. Pharaoh and his servants had a change of heart about the people. What in the world have we done? They said. We have released Israel from our service. This is why we think before we act, kids. Anyway, so Pharaoh harnessed his chariots and took his army with him. He took 600 select chariots and all the chariots of Egypt. with officers on all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, like he said he would, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites while they were going out in triumph. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses, all his chariots, his horsemen, his army, all the king's horses and all the king's men. Have we heard this before? And he caught up with them as they lay encamped by the sea at, place name I cannot say, in front of Baal Zephon. Okay, it sounds like someone is bragging to make up for a different kind of lack in his life. Mm. Now Pharaoh was near when the Israelites looked up and saw that the Egyptians had set out after them. Greatly frightened, the Israelites cried out to the Lord, and to Moses they said, Were there no burial places in Egypt that you brought us to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Did we not tell you this in Egypt when we said, Leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? Far better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Now, this, kids, is what we call Stockholm Syndrome. But Moses answered the people, Do not fear. Stand your ground and see the victory the Lord will win for you today. For these Egyptians, whom you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to keep still. Then the Lord said to Moses, Why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to set out. And you, lift up your 
your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and split it in two, that the Israelites may pass through the sea on dry land. But I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them, and I will receive glory through Pharaoh and all his army, his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I receive glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. The angel of God, who had been leading Israel's army, now moved and went around behind them. And the column of cloud, moving from in front of them, took up its place behind them, so that it came between the Egyptian army and that of Israel. And when it became dark, the cloud illuminated the night. And so the rival camps did not come any closer together all night long. Dude's Old Testament times were really weird. Thank you, Lord, for letting me be born now. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove back the sea with a strong east wind all night long and turned the sea into dry ground. The waters were split so that the Israelites entered into the midst of the sea on dry land, the sea on dry land, with the water as a wall to their right and to their left. Dun, dun, dun. The Egyptians followed in pursuit after them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen and all the king's horses and all the king's men, into the midst of the sea. Okay, I know that we know how the story ends, but, like, this is not too smart on Pharaoh's part, right? Like, just another example of men thinking with the wrong head. On with the show. Okay, but during the watch, just before dawn, the Lord looked down from a column of fiery cloud upon the Egyptian army and threw it into a panic. And he so clogged their chariot wheels that they could drive Only with difficulty. With that, the Egyptians said, Let us flee from Israel, because the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may flow back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at daybreak the sea returned to its normal flow. The Egyptians were fleeing head-on toward it when the Lord cast the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. As the water flowed back, it covered the chariots and the horsemen. Of all Pharaoh's army which had followed the Israelites into the sea, not even one escaped. Not even one. You know we're getting a one-sided story, right? Because if all the Egyptians died... Only the Israelites were around to tell the story. But I believe them. But the Israelites had walked on dry land through the midst of the sea, with the water as a wall to their right and to their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel on that day from the power of Egypt. When Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the seashore, and saw the great power that the Lord had shown against Egypt, the people feared the Lord. They believed in the Lord and in Moses, his servant. God, another one who knows how to dispose of a couple thousand bodies without a trace. And that's our scripture. The end.
All right, this week we're bringing you the top 10 Lenten Friday fish meals. And number 10 is grilled cheese. Simple, easy, and penitential. It's a great standby for those Fridays when money is tight or for picky eaters. Okay, it's not a fish meal, so that's why it's number 10. But it does fill the need in a pinch. At number 9, we have soup. This is another non-fish meal, I admit it. Although I guess you could use fish stock and put some sea creatures in there, right? Maybe gumbo? That counts, right? Okay, so soup. It's sort of a fish meal, depending on how you prepare it. Okay. So I have really fond memories of soup meals, actually. Um, When I was growing up, my parish instead of a fish fry every Friday night, would put on a soup and stations meal. And it would just be this, like, three eight-foot tables just with huge stocks of soup of all different kinds. And they were all homemade. And, you know, it was an all-you-can-eat soup buffet. You know, a veritable smorgasbord. (sighs) Those were simpler times, huh? (sighs) All right, number eight. Long John Silvers. This is the one time a year that anyone pays attention to them. And I can't say that they shine during this time. But they certainly fulfill our need. And they're fulfilling it all year long. And the rest of the year, no one pays attention to them. And they just flounder along. You see what I did there, right? Like, you're paying attention. Flounder. Fish. Lent. Come on, people. All right, coming in at number seven, we have Chick-fil-A. They make a fish sandwich during Lent now. You know, good Christians looking out for each other. But this fish sandwich is only available at select locations, and none of those locations are near me. So that's why they're only at number seven. But at number six, we have Red Lobster. Just mediocre, just like your dreams. Number five, Wendy's fish sandwich. My husband says it's better than McDonald's, but what does he know? He's not on Twitter. Does anybody know if this is grounds for an annulment? All right, moving on. At number four, we have Popeyes. Love that chicken from Popeyes. More like love that popcorn shrimp from Popeyes. It's so good and such a great snack and something my kids will actually eat. Okay, at number three, we have sushi. This is my eight-year-old's favorite. She would eat it for every meal, every day, all the time if she could, but she doesn't. However, sushi, is this too much of a treat during Lent? We are supposed to be practicing penance and being penitential and memento morying. You let me know. You tell me. Is it too much of a treat for Lent? Find me on Twitter. Okay, and number two is the Parish Fish Fry. Now, I didn't have these growing up, but you can't beat the fellowship these events bring, right? And most places do have them, although I think this year most are doing, like, drive through style. I don't know. Look it up. It's in your bulletin. So it's good to be near other people, you know, in normal years, and it's good to eat with them and to converse with them. Okay, bonus points, though, if you all go to Stations of the Cross together afterward. 
And coming in at number one is, drum roll please, the filet fish the most traditional Catholic Lenten meal, at least since 1965. That's what trad means, right? Before Vatican II ended? Am I doing this right? Anyway, the only line longer than a McDonald's drive through on a Friday during Lent should be a confessional. Make it happen, people. Also, where's the hat, Tommy? Where's the hat? Answer the dubia! Send it to me, please. And that's this week's top 10! And finally, this week's weird saint. Saint Neot lived in Glastonbury, England in the 800s, and he was a monk. He spent his days in a well, a well full of water. You know, those things that people used to get drinking water from. Not just for, you know, throwing pennies and wishes into, but like a for real well. Okay, so St. Neot would sit in this well with water up to his neck, and he'd practice his spiritual devotions in there. Why? We don't know. It was just his thing. But legend does tell us that the well contained three fish. Just three. An angel came and told Neot that if he only ate one fish a day, there would always be three fish in the well. So that's what Neot did. I don't know how long he was in this well, or it sounds like he was like in there forever, kind of like an abandoned child. Um, but we just, we don't know. This is all we know. But anyway, because of this, Neot is, of course, the patron saint of fish. Legend also has a lot to say about his height. Some sources say he was four feet tall, and others claim he was only 15 inches tall. Something smells a little fishy. Thanks for joining me tonight for Up Too Late. Special thanks goes out to Kelsey, who puts up with my excuses for why my audio is always late. And another special thanks to my kids for always being the reason my audio is late. I love you guys. And of course... This episode would not have been made possible without Surge. No, this episode is not brought to you by Surge, just by this crazy fanatic who loves it and is so glad it's back, even for a limited time. Even at the dreaded Burger King, like of all places to make a comeback, Burger King, whatever. Anyway, special thanks to Surge. You can always find me on Twitter at Teresa Zoe and on Instagram and Facebook sometimes at Teresa Zoe Williams. If you like this show, please consider becoming a supporter on Patreon at patreon.com slash Teresa Zoe. God bless and keep you. Sleep well and have sweet dreams. May your guardian angel be close at hand and Mama Mary wrap you in her mantle. Go to sleep! <laughs>